0: we will embark on having a discussion on how we tackle the ways in which the pandemic has affected the normal functions of the South African schooling system and ask the question whether or not learners will be able to catch up with their schooling curriculum as Gauteng among other provinces has been earmarked as the epicenter of the third wave. Joining us on the line to have this discussion with us is Mr. Hendrik McEneta who is an educational activist and uh, he joins us on the line here on the COVID report. Hendrik good evening thank you so much for joining us here on the show thank you for having me absolutely amazing to have you now looking at South Africa what do you think the country should have done in terms of a much more decisive response to the impact of the pandemic on schooling and educating for children in the country over the course of our fight against the pandemic
1: well I think that To a large extent, in my view, government has been able to respond positively. You will recall that when the COVID-19 hit the country in 2020, it was something that was unexpected. And we saw the response from government in relation to the provision of PPEs, but also at some point to close the schools. During the difficult year of 2020, when some of the learners and teachers were caught in a situation where COVID-19 was detected. And I think that, of course, there are experiences that we can learn from 2020. And to this extent, I believe that government, of course, could have done more as well to ensure that, you know, they prepare the schools thoroughly. Because remember that COVID-19 exposed the gaps that exist within the terrain of education particularly when you look at the private schools as well as the public schools. Many of our public schools are overcrowded, and that is why government had no choice but to adopt the whole process of uh, rotation where learners do not go to school at the same time. uh, Even as we speak, they go on a rotational basis. Some schools, learners go for a week, and the next week... They remain at home and so on. Others, it's just within a day. They just swap together. So I think that uh, to that extent, this has exposed the lack of infrastructure on the side of government. And indeed, these are the lessons that we should learn going forward. And just
0: to latch on to what you've just covered about the divided nature of the schooling system as it stands right now, owing to the ever-changing circumstances of this pandemic. You mentioned that certain schools have a certain number of their children show up for school one week and then the next week having them stay at home. I'm curious to find out from you as to whether or not these delays will afford the learner's in lower grades, sufficient time to catch up with what has been missed during the stricter lockdown
1: period. Well, I've said it before that the impact of COVID-19 will be felt in the next few years. In actual fact, as we speak, you will recall that already learners did not even complete the curriculum for 2020. It's only the grade 12 learners who managed to complete their curriculum you know, for the simple reason that they had to write an external paper, which was set long before COVID could hit the country in March 2020. But grade 11, downwards, learners did not even complete the curriculum of 2020, as we speak. And uh, the fact that they are now going to school on a rotational basis exacerbates the situation, because already this means that teachers and learners are not able to keep up with the teaching plan which is allocated by the department, especially now that you know they come once or twice or, or thrice a week. And so, as I indicate, this is an impact that will not be felt now. To answer your question, learners will not be able to catch up easily, even when they return to school, as the minister has suggested. It will take some time. I think that the government will have to come up with alternative measures. To ensure that you know they come up with intervention mechanisms to bridge the gap that exists between the curriculum as well as the learners of today. The fact that they are really behind, and it will take some time because remember, uh, just one term of schooling, teaching, and learning takes ten weeks and under normal circumstances. But right now, that uh, this rotation, this simply means learners go to school for a period of only five weeks. And so five weeks is not enough to cover the work that should have been done in 10 weeks.
0: Indeed. Now, you mentioned it in your previous answer just now, Mr. McInhead, and I'd like to latch on to it because a lot of conjecture has just been recently made about the government's decision to return all learners to school on a full-time basis. Being that we have just been addressed by President Sulra Maposa announcing that we are moving to adjusted level two, I'd like to get your sense and your insight on whether or not um, you think this was good timing on the government government's part to introduce or consider reintroducing all learners to school on a full-time basis, being that so many provinces are being earmarked as the epicenter of this dreaded third wave?
1: It appears that there is little communication between the office of the president and that of the minister of basic education, in a sense that... Only last week, the Basic Education Minister, Honorable Enjimut Cesar, announced the return of the lower grades in July this year. And then the president also took the country from level one to level two. And this on its own means that, as I said, perhaps there's communication breakdown. I think that there's a need. It's not too late for a Basic Education Minister to convene the Council of Education Ministers and, you know, come up with a new position given the speech that was given by the president yesterday. So that if it be, we might as well have to assess the general mood of society, but also to assess the impact of this third wave, as we are told. Remember, even though children are young, we know scientists have said that children are not so much in danger. when we look at the pandemic, but the reality is that children are not alone at schools. They are taught by adults who may be exposed to risk. So I think that the government must find a way to thoroughly look at this matter and perhaps the minister should issue another statement at some point. And it will not be wrong, in my view, if she backtracks from the original position of retaining the learners on full capacity. The reason being... We have overcrowding, particularly in rural communities, in schools which are based in townships, as well as in some of the rural communities, where lack of infrastructure is a key challenge for government. And at the same time, we know government alone will not be able to resolve this issue of infrastructure, lack of classrooms, and so on. They may have to also rely on the private sector. But the reality is that everybody has been hit by COVID-19. We saw companies also retrenching. So I think that the country is going through a very difficult phase, given that the economy is also not growing. Government will have to find ways and means to protect the lives of both uh, teachers and learners, given the rising numbers of victims of COVID-19.
0: Mr. McInner, I'd very much like to get your insight on this question I'm about to pose to you at this point in time. Looking at all of the absentees that have been ramped up due to COVID-19 and this system of rotation that we have just been talking about at length as far as a group of students coming to school one week, that same group of students being asked to stay home the following week to make space for another group of students to come into school and attempt to get all of the work done as far as meeting the requirements for addressing their education curriculum In your opinion, do you think all of this COVID-19-related absenteeism will result in a higher rise in dropout numbers across the country? And what do you think can be done to prevent this from being a reality?
1: Yes, indeed. The reality is that dropout rates have been there even before COVID-19. And you are correct to say, perhaps in the light of the developments, of rotation as well as absenteeism in school, which is recorded on a daily basis. The likelihood is that, yes, we may see the dropout rate increasing, which also will be a response to the fact that learners may not be able to cope with the curriculum because learners don't learn in the same way. There are learners who, for instance, they want to be in the classroom on a daily basis in order to receive learning and teaching. So, as I've indicated, perhaps government should uh, come up with campaigns, reach out to parents as well, because education on its own is a triangle which requires the involvement of not only teachers, but also learners and parents, so that if the three spheres can work together, parents, learners, and teachers, we might be able to avert the whole issue of uh, the dropout rates. And that is not the only issue. We have seen in some of the schools there are underlying problems, which are also faced by learners. Recorded the issue of suicide also amongst learners, although not all schools are affected. But this is something that government must address as and when they address the issue of dropout rates, trying to alleviate or to decrease at least the number of dropouts in school level.
0: Indeed, and in the interest of further trying to do everything that can possibly be done to help the students catch up as and when they need to catch up, can you talk me through the ways in which the advent of online learning and the inequalities that that has exposed in in terms of this idea of questions of access from certain schools on one side of the social divide versus schools on the other side of the social divide you've just referred to how certain inequalities have been exposed for certain schools in the country what role does the scattered access to the realm of online learning contribute to deficit that still needs to be addressed in terms of the school children that still need to catch up on various items of their curriculum and in your opinion what can government do further to address this
1: Well, the whole issue of online teaching and learning is a bone of contention. Remember that most of the schools which are based in suburbs as well as uh, private schools, where parents have the means to buy electronic gadgets for their children, you know, such schools do not experience difficulties even during COVID-19. You will recall that in 2020, when the pandemic started, uh, some of the schools were able to carry on with learning and teaching. Because they immediately switched over to the online mode of learning. Whereas the other schools that are, I'm talking about, those which consist of learners who are maybe coming from poor communities or poor homes, they were not able to do anything. In fact, during the level five in 2020, they were just seated at home, not doing anything at all. So that has exposed the difficulties that we are facing as a nation that you have one group of learners on one hand who are able to carry on with learning and teaching due to the availability of resources, not only resources, but also connectivity, because online learning and teaching requires connectivity as well. So it is true that we have called upon government to invest in the gadgets, to invest in Wi-Fi facilities, but also to avail the data for students as well to learn, But it appears that, as we speak, it is only students who are in the terrain of higher education who are able to receive assistance in relation to, to data so that they can be able to carry on with online learning and teaching. Mm-hmm. But those in the basic education sector, we still have a long way to go. You will recall as well that at some point the Treasury decided to cut the budget of various departments, the Department of Education included, and it is our wish that government should find a way to raise more money so that they can invest in the education of our children, particularly to prepare themselves so that even during times of the pandemic, learners in disadvantaged communities must also be able to carry on with their learning and teaching.
0: Indeed. And to conclude our conversation, Mr. Makineta, as far as everything that we have discussed so far, the word government has popped up a lot in terms of the numerous calls we are making to government to Put measures in place to help address the shortfalls and the deficits that children are facing as far as catching up on their curriculums. To the, the calls we are making to government to put measures in place to address these inequalities and discrepancies as far as who has access to online learning and who doesn't. Being that we are as close as we are to local government elections in the country a lot of government officials representing their various political parties are going to make a lot of grand promises and they're going to make a lot of grand proclamations as to all of the things they plan to do to address these issues so to conclude our conversation mr mageneta my question to you is how will we as the citizens go about holding them accountable moving forward to make sure that the grand promises and grand conjecture that they're making isn't just lip service, that they are indeed committed to putting these measures in place to address all of these
1: inequalities and shortfalls. I think that uh, as citizens, we have a duty to hold government accountable and uh, in one way or the other, we need an active citizenry. You know, we need people who will not just sit back and believe that government will be able to do, you know, these things that they are promising. The politicians come and go. And, you know, in one year or the previous five years, they come in and make promises. And then later on, you'll find that there is no delivery. So I think that uh, what is important for now is that we, I think that, As citizens, we are actively engaged in watching what is happening at the Great Capture Commission, and it is my hope that, you know, as citizens, once the report from the chairperson of the commission is tabled uh, to the president, we should be able to, first and foremost, as citizens, ensure that we rally behind the call for an end to corruption, because corruption has robbed a government, it's robbing us as citizens We are sitting with these problems, many of them because of the wide range of corrupt activities that are done mainly by those who are in power. And I think that as citizens of the country, we should be active at all times, ensuring that we write petitions if needs be, to make sure that whatever needs or whatever promises that are made, uh, tabled in manifestos, are put into place. You know, one of the things I've already spoken about is corruption, but we also need a commitment from the side of government to collaborate with the private sector to make sure that they grow the economy. And uh, lastly, those who are found to be, have put their hands in the cookie jar, they should be arrested. You know, something must be done to make sure that those who steal from the poor go to jail and, you know, they face the might of the law. But another point that we must guard against is the whole issue of our constitutional democracy. We must continue as citizens to defend the supremacy of the Constitution as well as the rule of law. Because it is only through the rule of law and the supremacy of our Constitution that we can be able to lead better lives, that we can be able to hold government uh, accountable. We've just been joined on the show
0: by educational activist Mr. Hendrik McEneta here on the COVID Report, talking us through the variety of issues that are faced by school children in South Africa and various parts of the world, really, as far as catching up on their curriculums and the amount of work that still needs to be done to address the inequalities and discrepancies that have been laid bare by the COVID-19 pandemic. Mr. McEneta, thank you so much for your time and thank you so much for... For your valuable insight on this conversation, thank you so much for joining us here on the COVID report.
1: Thank you very much indeed. This podcast was brought to you by Voice of Vets. By, by to hear more of our shows,
0: tune in to eighty-eight point one or streams Stream. by www.